Today on the Ticker Tapes, we hear from Saskia, who, with a family health history of heart disease, underwent surgery for mitral valve repair at the age of 31. She talks about her childhood years, whilst never really fully understanding potentially the true seriousness of her condition. I didn't really know what it was, I have to say. I didn't really know what the issue was. I knew that they would call it a floppy heart valve to me, and I thought that was a funny name. And the only effect it had on me is that every three years I would go and get a checkup, which was an echo, an ECG, and a kind of stress test to see how my heart was doing. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, Saskia talks about her memories of undergoing regular heart screening from a very early age. Then, as the condition became more severe in later years, how she coped both before and after her open heart surgery, including the immense support from her family and friends. Saskia, what encouraged you to share your story? Really, it was how much I had gotten out of the ticker tapes in the lead up to uh, my surgery and how comforting I found listening to other people's stories. And I just thought if I could give that same comfort um, to somebody else, then I would be more than happy to talk about my experiences. Well, that's really good to know and that you found them comforting at a time when you really needed it. Let's find out a bit more about Saskia then. Tell me something about you. Tell me about your job, what you love to do when you're not working, your passions, your pastimes. Yeah, so I'm an architect and urban designer. I work in sort of my design field as public realm spaces, high streets, um, yeah, city making strategies, that kind of thing. And my sort of big hobbies are drawing, I really like embroidering, um, running, uh, long distance running, exercising, yoga, um, yeah. So r- running, especially um, in the mountains, trail running um, is my favourite. Gosh, I was going to ask you what you do in your spare time, but it doesn't sound as though <laughs> there is much, to be honest. <laughs> that is my spare time. That's what I like to do. It's my favourite thing, waking up on a Saturday and just going for a long run. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your story, first of all, which started at a a very early age, didn't it? Yes, it did. So we have actually have a history of heart disease in my family. My mum's brother died when he was just 17 years old of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is an inheritable condition. And so when me and my sister were little, we kind of were taken to hospital to be screened to see if we had inherited this disease. Uh, They didn't find that either of us had any signs that we'd inherited it, but they did find at that time that I had a heart murmur, mitral valve prolapse. And I probably was about six years old uh, when they found that. What do you remember uh, at that time? What, What memories have you got? I remember, so I grew up in London and so I was take I was sent to Great Ormond Street Hospital uh, for the kind of initial assessment of the mitral valve prolapse. And so I've got very strong memories of going to the hospital and meeting very lovely doctors who are all very smiley and reassuring. And really my memories of going happy. And my mum would take me and she'd uh, always then take me to the cinema or out for lunch and we'd make a day of it 
so really kind of my mem- those early memories aren't of worry or anxiety or kind of a sense of concern about having a condition it was more just oh this, this is kind of fun exciting and different and people are looking at me and yeah did it really affect your lifestyle much as a child no no not at all um not at all and I, I I didn't really know what it was, I have to say. I didn't really know what the issue was. I knew that there was, they would kind of call it a floppy heart valve to me. And I thought that was a funny name. And the only effect it had on me is that every three years I would go and get a checkup, which was an echo, an ECG and a kind of stress test to see how my heart was doing. And every single time they would always say, oh, you're great, everything's amazing. And then I would go away again and forget it ever happened and just lived a normal, completely normal life. So am I right in thinking that it was downplayed in some way and it wasn't that big a deal for you? Yes, definitely. And I don't know whether that came from my parents intentionally or whether they really thought it wasn't a very big deal. But I I certainly was never told that it could ever end up with me having surgery. And I, to be honest, I actually lived my entire life thinking it was genuinely never, ever going to affect me. And it was just a sort of slight quirk in the makeup of my heart that meant I had to have regular checkups. But I never fully understood why I was having those checkups. On reflection, how do you feel? You, you say for most of your life you didn't fully understand the the seriousness of your situation. How do you feel now looking back? Uh, that I was a bit naive and that it feels really odd to me now that I just didn't give it a second thought. I, I mean, I've genuinely got memories of, uh, you know, telling people that I... I've had this heart condition and I'm feeling embarrassed about the fact that I even would call it a heart condition and just feeling like I didn't really well didn't really like deserve to even say that I had a heart condition because it just had no effect on me and other people had serious conditions and I didn't have one and the only real thing was that I got a um, uh, offered flu jab every year and uh, that was it really and that's that's kind that's pretty much where I thought the extent of the effect it would have on my life would be. Let's move forward in time then. Tell us what happened next. So in April in 2021, I went for my usual regular checkup, had the echo and stress test and ECG, went home and then I it was it was kind of a week later I get a phone call and it's the cardiologist on the phone who's saying that For the first time, they've picked up that my heart valve, uh, the mitral valve prolapse has progressed from kind of mild to what they described as moderate plus. So it's the top end of a moderate uh, mitral regurgitation. And that they would need to start talking to me about the reality of having surgery to fix this problem. And that was the first time I heard surgery attached to this heart condition. Can you remember how that made you feel? Very overwhelmed. Yeah, very, very overwhelmed and very frightened. And it kick-started in 2021, a kind of series of about kind of a two-month process of having much more in-depth tests then to assess what um, the extent of the issue really was. So I had to have a cardiac MRI 
um, had to have more stress tests. I was given a 24-hour halter monitor to wear as well. And I, I, that, that kind of two-month period were incredibly stressful. I think mm. because I'd gone from feeling like I had an innocuous heart condition um, that was never going to affect me to suddenly being faced with one, like a, you know, a real heart condition. It, was, it felt like a big, a big thing to process. And in the build-up to that, just remind me, what were the associated symptoms? So at that time, and I, I don't think I was having any symptoms, and so it was a really big surprise to me that 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 had progressed, and that that after those two months of tests, they did conclude that you know they weren't going to do anything now, but the thing that was going to change is rather than get. Um, every three-year checkups, I was going to go to a yearly checkups. But the cardiologist at the time said, you know, you're going to need to have surgery, but we don't know when. It could be in a year, it could be in five years, it could be in 15. We just don't know how fast, you know, this progression is going to take. And because I was young, the likelihood is that it will be 15 years, you know. So don't worry about it and go away, live your life normally, don't change anything stay active, keep running, no changes to be made. And that was it. So that was last, that was, yeah, August 21. And um, so, yeah, Saskia, looking at the timeline of events, it would have been around COVID time. It must have been very unsettling. You had so much to think about, didn't you? Yeah, it was really unsettling. I was really worried. And for the first time, I started to get worried about getting COVID. And I had been vaccinated, had one vaccine at the time. So I, I didn't feel very comfortable going out. I was very, I, I felt very aware and very kind of nervous for the first time about getting COVID and kind of definitely reduced my then contact with the outside world um, during that time. Um, so turned to running quite a lot as a way to cope and get outside. Um, yeah. And how much of a help was that? What sort of distance were you running? Uh, that was, I mean, just the most amazing help. So at the time, so I was training for an ultramarathon along the Welsh Coast Path that mm-hmm. I then completed in April 2022. Well done. And God, it was hard. And I now look back and realise it wasn't hard, just hard because it was difficult and a long distance and hilly, but hard because my heart was actually um, kind of starting to really struggle. As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by simply going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now back to the conversation. Let's go forward then. Uh, almost exactly a year, April 22. Yeah, uh, April 22. So I had my yearly checkup. I went in and I had a sense that um, it had progressed quite a lot just from the uh, radiologist. I remember doing my uh, echo and they spent a long time on me and kept giving me looks. And you can always tell, radiologists always know. And it, yeah, a week later, I then get a phone call from the cardiologist again and he says okay it's now severe your mitral regurgitation is now severe and we 
really need to talk about um, surgery now and we're going to start that process. Had you prepared yourself for that? Uh, sort of deep down, did you anticipate having a year ago been told and 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 obviously that was a big shock for you, but a year on, were you, were you kind of ready for to be told that? I was actually, surprisingly, even though... Even though I was told it was unlikely to, you know, I was unlikely to need surgery within the, well, you know, in a year's time. Actually, when they called me, I wasn't that surprised. And I felt like the process of going through through it the year before really helped me, actually really helped me in April last year. Mm. It, it made it made that information a lot easier to bear, definitely. And I felt a lot, a lot kind of a lot more, a lot calmer. Than mm-hmm. I had been previously, yeah. So how soon after did things progress? So then, uh, so I got that call in April, and uh, I think it was about two weeks later that I was then sent a halter monitor to wear for twenty four hours, and that halter monitor actually picked up that uh, my heart was going into sort of dangerous arrhythmias when I was exercising, and so they called me pretty soon after they got the results and asked me to immediately stop doing any rigorous exercise at all. So that was quite hard, given how important running is for me mm. uh, in terms of my stress relief. That was quite a hard a hard phone call to get and made it feel very real. And, it, and then I was put on beta blockers. And, yeah, um, so it was a period of about six months and then until my surgery. Um, Talk to me about that. Where was it? So I had the surgery done at Papworth Hospital, which is a specialist heart and lung hospital. And I just, I, I, I can't really explain to you how incredible they are and how amazing my surgeon is and how cared for he made me feel. It made me feel just like I mattered and that my condition mattered and that I deserved to get the treatment I, I needed. The surgery that needs to happen was mitral valve repair and so I was born with a mitral valve prolapse but basically there's just too much tissue in the valve and so it doesn't it's never kind of closed properly my atrium my left um, atrium was really dilated my left ventricle was really dilated it was causing constant arrhythmia I was really really tired and having very severe palpitations so that was the sort of effect of that was the that was how it was affecting me. And the way to fix that is they said that they were going to repair my valve. And the surgeon said he had about a 98% chance of being able to successfully repair it. Mm-hmm. And so yes, they just, I don't know exactly how they do it, but they cut bits away and stitch bits back together. Um, and it was done by open heart surgery. Wow. Yeah. And you, from what you say, couldn't fault them. And you were in hospital for how long again, remind me? Uh, so I was in hospital for six days. I went into hospital on the morning of my surgery, which is the 12th of November. And I left on Friday afternoon, the following Friday. Yeah. Talk to me about the stages of recovery, Saskia. So the stages of recovery are sort of fast and then slow, actually. So in hospital, each day was a massive step forward. You start in ICU and they get you up straight away. And then by the next day, you're 
getting up and sitting in chairs and the next day after that you're walking around and each day there's this like massive improvement and you're more alert and more less in pain and it's this incredible sort of like upwards trajectory of recovery that I I you know I think surprised all of us and me especially about how quick that was and how able my body was to sort of like recover from being cut open and then coming home from the hospital it 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 does slow down um just because then then you get into the real healing which is quite a long period of mm. uh, recovery for your body i can only imagine the feeling must have been one of your life restarting um, and that that must have been just something else yeah it has, does feel like i've been given a kind of a new life again i think the impact that my heart condition ended up having on me for the last year was so great and really felt like I was on complete pause and so just being able to now look into the future and see um yeah I can do anything I want now and how important when you came out and you were recovering were were friends and family at that stage the most important and also the people who made recovering from heart surgery I, I don't want to say enjoyable but definitely a really positive experience my mum moved in with me and she looked after me oh. um, and you know when you first when I first came out I couldn't get myself a glass of water I couldn't I, I you know you can't do anything I'm just sort of like I can just about get up and get dressed and um, sit down on the sofa and then she just did absolutely everything for me and I had friends sending me packages and food and coming <laughs> over and yeah it was just the amount of support and love and care I got was extraordinary and it just has made the whole process uh, really special actually. Oh it's so lovely to have friends and family at a time like that isn't it? Yeah. yeah and now well let's come right up to date how are you now? So, uh, yeah, now I'm doing really, really well. I had my eight-week checkup with my surgeon a few weeks ago, and I just got the all clear. He said that you can't hear a murmur at all anymore and that I have a perfectly functioning heart and that I'm unlikely to ever need um, surgery again. So I couldn't basically go ahead and be healthy and everything's fine and I am on my phased return to work so I'm working three days a week at the moment and yeah I'm starting to work out I'm going to cardiac rehab um yeah and how pleased were your work colleagues to see you back at work very pleased it was really nice it was really really nice going back and seeing people I was quite nervous about it having had so much time off um but they just made me feel uh, very welcome very welcome and they've been amazing I have to say my work have been so kind to me and just said to me have as much time off as you need yeah well Saskia what a very emotional journey you've been on Um, I must ask do you have a message for others going through a similar and challenging time oh it's it's hard it's hard because I think the hardest part for me was before the surgery and the stress, to be honest. And ever since then, it's feeling like I'm now on this road to recovery as um, being a really positive experience. It, rather than getting sicker each day, I'm getting better each day. 
And so just uh, if anyone's sort of waiting for surgery and nervous about it, the surgery is the beginning of the rest of your life, really. And it's so amazing that it's there and available for us. It can give you back everything, really. Yeah. We've spent most of the conversation looking back, haven't we? Let's look forward. Mm. Um, What about the future, personally, hopes, personally and career-wise as well? I don't know. Uh, I'm very honest. I really don't know. I think it's interesting. I had a friend last year who was saying to me, oh, you know, I know this is very challenging for you, but, you know, going through something like this will give you this incredible perspective on life and it will be amazing. It will be completely life-changing. But coming out the other side of it, I feel very... Something has really changed in me. I feel different, but I'm not sure what it is yet. I just feel like I've been through something and I just feel like I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Um, and how that is going to impact my life and what I do or how what decisions I make, I think I'm too early to know the impact it's going to have on me. But it does feel significant and I suppose I'll just have to sort of like wait and see and see how that un- un- reveals itself. But yeah, I don't know. I think open to anything at the moment oh well we wish you all the best as i say a very emotive story saskia and thank you so much for sharing it with us on the ticker tapes oh well thank you for having me and uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about it if you have any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and you'd like to speak to a cardiac nurse on the bhf's heart helpline just go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash Heart Helpline, where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information on our vital research, both in the episode notes and on our website at bhf.org.uk. The ticker tapes are for the many people out there living with heart conditions, and it's for them, their friends and family that we produce the podcast. If you'd like to tell your own heart story, or you have thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by emailing the ticker tapes at bhf.org.uk.